When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. A one, two, three, four. Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive, on-demand content, or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Welcome to Insights, everyone. Our guest today is singer-songwriter Chris Roberts. Chris is a man who is most alive when he's creating and expressing himself through music and art. Art which includes hat making, a craft he's quite good at, and that he shares with other artists, cowboys, and celebrities alike. In today's conversation, Chris and I discuss everything from the writing and recording of his new EPs, during the pandemic that is, in Joshua Tree, California, to playing baseball growing up in his hat shop, Aspen Hatter, featuring hats made in Austin, Texas and Aspen, Colorado. For any hat lovers out there, like myself, I really recommend Aspen Hatter. Super great quality. I had a great time chatting with Chris and I'm excited to share our conversation with you now. So let's take a look. All right, well, Chris, Chris, welcome to Diddy TV. Thanks for joining us today to talk about your new EP, Lost and Found. And uh, where are you today? Uh, I am at my new spot in uh, Joshua Tree, California. I'm sitting just uh, right outside. I just uh, built a new studio uh, here at the house, and uh, it's still in a work in progress. But we, are, I'm excited. It's yeah, that's where I am. Very cool. Out. Very cool. So, are you living then in Joshua Tree now, or? Have- uh, I. I am part-time, so it's just part-time, and then mm-hmm. a lot of uh, stuff. Hopefully, it's like uh, back out on the road and playing for uh, the people. Uh, yeah, and then I'll switch. I'll go to here and there. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of making a thing. It's close to L.A. The boys are based out of L.A., and um, I just fell in love with Joshua Tree because that music that you're hearing right now is – that album, uh, Lost and Found, and whatever it was, uh, it was done just down the road um, from me. So I, I fell in love with it uh, and said, I'm, I'm coming, out, coming out here. You know, I really want to get to Joshua Tree at some point because I've been thinking about it ever since the U2 album, Joshua Tree, and I didn't realize there was an actual place, of course, when I first heard the album. But knowing that there's an actual place, um, what is it you love about it? Well, it's just kind of funny. There's something a little bit magical about it. There's a, there's a reason people come out here and, and do what they do. Uh, there's a lot of artists out here. And, and I found myself, uh, 
I came out here, we were on a, on my first tour and we were down in Texas uh, right before COVID uh, happened. We found we were learning about it while we were on tour. And so uh, I knew we had to do something. So we turned the bus around and uh, went to, I just asked my manager to get, I said, is there a studio in Joshua Tree? I'd never been here, but I knew it was close to LA and the guys had to get back. I said, and I'd always wanted to come to Joshua Tree. I said, is there a place in Joshua Tree that's got a studio and a house that we can just hunker down at? And uh, a few minutes later, he had one, the bus was running and we went, we went there and uh, didn't have songs prepared, but we started, uh, the guys started playing and I just started writing. And those are the songs that you're hearing. And then I told the family that I stayed with for almost two months, uh, which has become like my family now. I told them, I said, I'm getting a place out here. And I'm sure they didn't believe me, but uh, <laughs> now, now they do. Now they do because we spend just about every day still seeing each other, coming over for dinner and hanging out. So, uh, yeah, it's all been good. Well, Chris, I have to say when I was sort of reading a little bit about you, I was fascinated by how you got where you are because it isn't the um, typical path to uh, musical stardom. And uh, I, I just had, I was looking forward to picking your brain. So let's go back a little ways. You grew up in Austin, yeah. right? Yes, ma'am. So what was it like growing up in Austin? And what were you, there was obviously, obviously a music scene but were you into that scene or were you doing something completely different when you were growing up? I mean, it's not, I was not in the music scene. Uh, no. Did I, was I listening to music? Yes. Did I understand that Stevie Ray Vaughan and some of these other guys were coming, are the guys coming from Austin and, and listening to their music? Yes. But I wasn't playing that. I was playing uh, baseball. Um, Did you ever think you were going to be a pro baseball player? I mean, were you that serious about it? Were you good at it? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't like to say too much, but yeah, it, yes, it was, it was definitely a thing. I mean, I played was, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm bad about that. Uh, talking about myself, but, uh, yeah, I play was. Yeah, uh, well, you know, it's okay to say you're good at something. Scholarship was looked at by many, many pro scouts, um, and went to junior college because I planned on turning pro mm -hmm. uh, after the first year. And uh, things just kind of went sideways, and life went a different direction. So, which I'm glad. Well, and I know that you eventually moved to Aspen, and we'll get to that. And then you have houses. It sounds like in multiple places now. But I have to know, were you a Texans fan or did you become a Rockies fan or who was, who was your baseball uh, well, team? Yeah, a little bit of fan of the Rockies because mm -hmm. I, I grew up playing baseball with a guy that pitched for the Rockies for a little while. And then I ended up moving to the Rockies. And I, I always wish that Austin, Texas had a professional team because I would have just been a fan. Um, but they never did. So the places that I, you know, now uh, being out here by L.A., I mean, I've always still been a Dodgers fan. And uh, Mookie Betts has been a, a, a kind of a, a thing. He transitioned from the Red Sox, which uh, had a little tie-in with them, with my other business. And then 
uh, he moved to LA and his that. So, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a baseball, I'm a baseball fan. I like, uh, uh, all of it, but I also am a big football fan. You know, I'm a big baseball and a big football fan too. And we have, um, some tickets, season tickets to the nationals and uh, ah, yeah. Okay. So we went uh-huh. to the, we went to uh, the world series, you know, when they went to the world series and, I have to say, it was one of the more exciting things I've ever done in my life. Uh, just to experience sports at that level is a lot of fun. Yes, I. That's. I wish that I would have gotten to experience that at one point. But now we're just doing something different. Yeah. Well. So, um, what was that point in your life? You're listening to music. What were you listening to? And. What was that pivotal moment where you said, I, I might like to play music as opposed to just be a fan? Um, well, I grew up listening, you know, growing up in Texas. Uh, I was listening to what my dad was listening to. So in the, in the truck, it was, you know, just a lot of uh, 80s country, which I still, I put it when I'm working, doing other things. I mean, I still hit the 80s country uh station and uh, still dig it but then as growing up you know you change i listen to just about every kind of music uh all of it but i i have always gravitated a little bit more towards southern rock uh or rock and roll and country so that's just kind of me, you know. Uh, but the, when I changed, when I uh, you asked, when music happened, uh, I went to a concert at, in between playing baseball uh, in college. Uh, my friends uh, asked me to go to a concert, and uh, I said, "Okay, let's go." And we went out to Colorado and uh, saw this bit, saw uh, widespread panic. Um, and I just didn't know that I'd never been to anything like that. And, uh, that's kind of when I decided to quit baseball and, and, and I bought a guitar <laughs> <laughs> and started, started playing that. Well, it was clankety clankety clank for a while and never thought anything of it, but just kind of wanted to be part of the hanging out with my friends and, it seemed like a good time. I was I was tired of doing what I was doing. So, what was the uh, first guitar for, that you bought? Oh my gosh! Like a like a hundred hundred dollar something. I don't know, but it lasted me a little while, and I learned how to play uh, G, D, and C, and I still just play those. <laughs> <laughs> I play a few other chords now, but. Uh, Hey, most songs are written with three, two or three chords. You don't need a whole, whole slew of them. Well, it's all, I always write, and then I play. I play three or four chords when I write. Maybe put a bridge in there, and then, um, then I just let the rest of the stuff when it develops. Then you can make it fancy, fancy, but the core needs to be there first, you know. So I see a Gibson in the back. Is that the guitar you use now? Is that a guitar behind you? This is red. Ah. See, this, no, see, so I have a, you, I mean, I have a guitar. I have a problem to see how it's red. 
this is red, but this is what I play on stage right now for uh, most all the time. Um, but yeah, red is a work a workhorse, and I got that in Nashville uh, like a year or so back, and she's become my my uh, that's red. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, beautiful, beautiful guitar. Uh, so, so you're pick you picked up guitar, and now you're playing for yourself, and or were you playing for other people? Or how long did it take you to where you felt like I want to perform? Um, it took a minute because I wasn't that uh, good uh, with myself about things. I always thought everything was bad and everybody was telling me it's great, but I thought, still think it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm getting better at, at, it, at it. But um, no, it's, I, was, I was playing really just uh, in my hat shop and people just kept coming around and asking me to play more play more and and uh, it just kind of carried on from there and then I played it I played it here and there uh, but not really I wasn't trying to to do it and then uh, I did have a gig uh, and my manager now Corey Lashford came out and uh, he saw the gig it was just an intimate gig at a cool spot with me and my guitar and and uh he approached me and said, you know, I'm like, well, you want to have lunch? He used to be, he's been in the music business for a very long time. He just thought that uh, I, this is what I should be doing. And he, he's done it. You know, he used to manage the estates of some very top old names, you know, uh, talking about. Janice and I don't want to name drop too much, but the doors and Janice and, Joplin and, and, and uh, yeah, doors and all that stuff. And he said, he said that he was coming out of retirement so he could, he wanted to uh, put me out there and said that this is what I should be doing. And I've gotten more comfortable as time has gone on and I, I'm totally comfortable. You come to a, a show uh, it's rock and roll. It's, it's rock and roll with the country. Thing, so now listen, I and was it, I was totally getting into your your EP, and I would love to come see you live. Um, but where you're talking live, about, yeah, live, that's where it's at. I'm telling you, the live shows is where it's at. So when you were, I, I call it discovered, but when uh, when he came into this, were you in were were you in Aspen? Is that where you were at the time? Yes, I was in Aspen. I because uh, you know I have I have those. I don't know if you know, but I have those uh, hat shops. Aspen Hatter, where we make custom-made hats, and uh, um, I was I was just there doing that thing. And at the end of the day, when everybody's kicking back and having a beer or whatever, I would play. I played the guitar, and then people just kind of gravitated towards it. And so that's what I was doing at the time. So I have to go back here just a little bit because I am a lover of a great hat, and I did go down the rabbit hole and check out your hats and you make some beautiful hats. So, but I have to ask you, how did you get into hat making? Because it's not something that the average Joe just thinks, I want to go make hats. And I know it's not that easy. It's kind of complicated. So how did you get into it? Um, I got into it first off, just because I, I, I wanted a hat Um, and nobody, I couldn't find one that was, cool enough. I mean, I always wore uh, K 
cowboy hats on on the ranch. I've worked on ranches, done all kinds of different things, and I would wear them by the mood that I was in, the, the different ones. And uh, when I, I always kind of envisioned that I would, would maybe play music, and even when I had a tiny little gig or playing open mic night, I wanted to be wearing a, a cool hat, and I just couldn't find a, a one that I thought was cool enough. So I just started making them my own uh, in the garage. And from that, when I started wearing them out in Aspen, I was, you know, getting attacked by where did I get my hat and all that. And I thought, well, I guess this is a business. I guess this is a real business. And I am good at this. I've always kind of, I've been artsy my whole life. Um, So... I went and learned how to make them from scratch uh, out in Utah from this old hat maker uh, and got machines and found a place to rent and opened up shop. And then it just took off and took off from there and then did my next one in my hometown, Austin, Texas, uh, and hired all my old high school best friends and uh, yeah making cool hats do you make them the <laughs> but old now I'm the worst salesman now because i think people there's too many of them before like a few years ago there was not that many people now i feel like everybody's wearing a hat but well that's good more people wearing hats is, is bigger demand in the end <laughs> but are you making uh-huh. them the, the old-fashioned way or how are you making them with a the hat yeah. box and everything oh yeah 100 percent. they are made from scratch with Hat blocks, all the machines, everything is blocked and cut, measured to size. Everything's custom. We have everything is in house, and we make it right there. And you and I leave the room open in the Aspen shop to where you can, so you can see all the machines and oh, people very can cool. see it. Yeah. So, have you ever been to Bisbee, Arizona? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Possibly. Well, <laughs> it's it's in Bisbee. Well, it's a very trippy place. There used to be a copper mine there, but I, we were sort of traveling across country and ended up stopping in Bisbee, and it's almost like time stopped, and there's a you know, big hill because it's a little bit mountainous and, and a really old western town, and there was a guy there making hats, and that was the first time I ever saw anybody making hats from scratch you know, with, the, with the blocks and, and et cetera, and I was just so fascinated by this, and... Uh, and so I, I just kind of had to ask you a little bit about the hats because they are beautiful. It's, it's, it's you have to be a good cook to be a good hat maker because it's just like it's like a recipe that you get good at and you know how to do it, but you need to know that recipe or else that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, well, it requires a little bit of creativity, etc. Um, so once you've got the hat shop off the ground and, and uh, now you're playing music. And now you've got a couple of locations. Has that freed you up to devote more time to music? It's, oh, the la- I wouldn't be doing this if I wasn't freed up. There's no way I'd still be working just at the hat shop trying to get things going. But uh, now that I've been able to uh, hire people and uh, do things, that's when, that's when music started for me. It was only a couple of years ago. That's when I was able to leave play music that's when people started noticing the music because I started playing more instead of instead of 
making hats, I was sitting in the corner playing my guitar. And so that's when everything started happening. So let's talk a little bit about Lost and Found. It's your second EP. And so your first EP was released earlier. It was Red Feather. Was that, was that the one that was released earlier this year? Yeah, that's right. And yeah, were Red you Feather. writing that during COVID? And, and or were all the songs on both EPs already written? Or um, how did that roll no, out? Both, both EPs, so they were, it's the same. So that is just one record, but they released it in EP. So they did just a few songs and then a few songs. That was all recorded here in Joshua Tree when uh, COVID happened and there was nothing had been written down yet. We just showed up at the studio and uh, the guys would setting up, not, nobody's knowing what's going on. And then every morning I just walk out with a piece of paper and say, what do you get? What do you think about this? Or um, at, uh, what is it? Uh, Jackrabbit in the desert. Uh, what is that? What song? What song is that? Uh, oh shoot! I think it's on the Red Feather, but uh, that was the first song because the guys were just trying to set up and started jamming, and it, and I was in the vocal booth just wearing the headphones, and I just sat down on the. I was like, "Keep y'all, keep keep playing that, keep it on loop," and I just started writing, and then I looked out the window and saw a Jackrabbit in the desert, and that's where I started. Uh, uh, it's just. So you were writing this in the studio. We wrote that, I wrote that stuff all on hand and all on like, like just every day I'd come out with something and then we'd get together with the guys and then they'd help out and put all help write, keep the, you know, I would start the idea and have a good bulk of it. And then uh, everybody just put a hand in and said, how about, you know, and then we just started going. Did you enjoy being in the studio or was it stressful? No, the studio is not stressful to me. I mean, sometimes it can be in the vocal booth. If you, I mean, this last, well, I have another album that is ready to uh, come out, which I'm excited uh, for as well here in a little bit, uh, which I got to work with a producer for the first time. I've never done that. And uh, uh, Keith Nelson, which is a top name, good, good name to be around. It is a good name. And, uh, yeah. Uh, sometimes when he was to say something and uh, to me in the vocal booth a little bit, it, and you you put some, you definitely put pressure on yourself, but the, that doesn't. It's all right. It's okay. That's if you're if you're not trying and your job if it's not hard, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. So uh, it's it's cool, but I I just do it natural. It's what I like about our shows as well is we sound the same as we sound on the record. So try not to do anything too fancy. Well, it sounds like you're, you're pulling that off. Not everybody can, because sometimes you, you listen to an album, you go to the show and it doesn't sound anything like the album. Oh, we're not, not auto <laughs> <laughs> We in, in our live, uh, our live uh, stuff from our last uh, um, little adventure of, um, is uh, going to come out soon as well. I'm not sure when, but um, it's just live recordings of just us and the band, but they're same songs, but just live recordings. And sometimes it played a little different, you know, just like a show, but it's really not. Same. Well, it sounds like you actually kind of let the, 
let the members of the band kind of do their own thing and come up with their own parts. Not everybody works that way either. I mean, do you find that kind of a more collaborative approach works better for you? Well, the guys are so good. I mean, they know more. They've been in music. They've been doing it way longer than I have. And they are so talented. I am grateful that they want to work with me. And I found it first kind of shocking and amazing that these talented guys that have worked with really big artists would want to come along and work with me. But, uh, you know, uh, we have a really fun time together. They like me. We've seen we do we do well together, and uh, so I trust their opinions. And what all I do is I give them a road. Sometimes I'll say like, "Hey, it's, I think it should be like, you know, or whatever." But then I just let them run. They know what they're doing, and all I will say is like, eh, "Or that's really cool," and yeah, I let them be their own. Person. They're their own artists. They're they're j- just as much or more of an artist than I am. So they should have their room. I'll just give them a platform and then let them do their job of making it awesome. They try to take everything and make it a little better. So, well, on the album on the EP, there is uh, one cover of um, Chevy Van. And I wanted to ask you how you picked that particular cover. Um, I picked that because I used to listen to the version uh, Sammy Kershaw did. Uh, um, and I, I really liked it. Um, when was that? Whatever. I don't know. 20 years ago. <laughs> 20 some odd years ago. Hey, listen, I'm older um, than you are, so <laughs> be careful. <laughs> I'm just counting. But anyway. I'm still I'm still 20 at heart, and uh, but I was listening to I, Sammy Kershaw's version uh, was done, and I knew I could tell that it was a cover. And this is before I wasn't playing music, but I just kind of knew it was a cover, a 70s song, just because it has that vibe. And I kept being asked to play co- covers because I really just don't play covers. Um, and I know people like it, and I'm trying to play more these days um, every once in a while. But, uh, yeah, they asked me to play a car. I was like, you know what would be cool? Is like, why don't we do that one? And the guys just kind of were like, what? And then as soon as we started playing it, everybody took their own role. And uh, they're like, yeah, okay, this is cool. Because uh, they didn't know it, they didn't know that song. And then when when it was told to me that uh, by my manager that he wanted to make that the, the single, I was not in favor because I, it's a cover. Uh, but it's he's like, yeah, but no, you've made it. It's different. So this is how you maybe people will listen now. <laughs> like, okay, whatever, y'all run the business, and I'll uh, I'll play the songs. Well, you do a really cool version of it, and when I was listening to it, I wasn't thinking about the fact that it was a cover at all, and then I, I heard the lick, and I thought, oh, I, I know that song, but it did kind of set the tone for what I was going to listen to in the rest of the EP, which is your own music and um, beautiful songs and really cool songs, um, but, it, but it was a really good entree into the rest of the EP, so I really enjoyed your version of it. 
Yeah, no, I lo- I love that song still still do, and it's fun it's fun to play, and and I know it sounds different, and that's what you're. So yeah, I'm not mad at it. <laughs> okay, so you're kind of new to touring too, if in the scheme of things. Yeah. And yeah. there was COVID and, you know, now there were sort of post COVID, but we're still sort of dealing with all that as well. Um, do you like, do you like touring? Is it fun? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's moments. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun playing for people, but it's not, sometimes it's not as glamorous as, as you, some people might think, you know, there's lots of truck stops, uh, and, uh, all that stuff. So, but yes, I do. I do like touring. It's fun to get with the guys. We just have a great time. So as soon as I know we're getting together and uh, we have some cool uh, venues to play, I'm in. So, yeah. What is your favorite part of touring? Uh, Getting on the big stage. (laughs) (laughs) Not, I mean, not because I want, but I. It's just because when you, that's when you, a few minutes before you go on stage, you just have to let go of everything else that you, because you know what's happening. You have to go up there and you have to do it, and you want to do it because you've already been practicing. You know, that's your job. But there's always that anxiety about right before and then a few minutes before you're just like let's go rock and roll man and then then going out there and letting go uh and seeing the enjoyment and people's faces that are having a great time and actually really like your music and sometimes they even know the words that's that's it that's what it is and this past summer, you played at the Allman Brothers Band's Peach Music Festival in Pennsylvania um, with Warren Haynes and some other folks up there. Um, that sounded like it was a good time. That was that was a very cool experience, and I hope to uh, uh, go uh, be playing back there next year, which I believe that that we are. Uh, we might even get a we might even get a bigger stage this this next year. <laughs> But it was cool to meet those artists. Uh, that was, you know, some of it was things that I just didn't think would happen, you know, to me. If you would have told me 20 years ago that I was doing that stuff, no, not at all. But hanging backstage with uh, those guys and then them telling me that they knew that about my music and that they were coming to going to be in the way back and, and come to catch the show because they wanted it check it out was just, you know, a little bit weird when you're in the green room and you're like, okay, I know they're out there and I, we got to do good. We got to do good. <laughs> <laughs> but then the lights turn on and, and then that, as soon as I hear that first rip of Eli's guitar or whatever, it's just, it's on, it's on, party's on. Well, it sounds like you're working on a new album and uh, you're going to be touring. It sounds like there's some really great things ahead of you. Um, what's what's up? What's what's up with you next? Uh, well, I am going to meet here with the with the guys uh, at, 
at this house studio. We're going to uh, play a few songs and get prepared to uh, go to uh, to Texas, playing down there at Antones. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a uh, growing up in Austin, Texas. Playing there is quite an honor for me, just because you know that's Stevie Ray Vaughan and all those guys that played in Austin. That's was a big was a big deal. So I feel weird and good to get up on that stage and honored really and then we're going to go play down in san antonio and then houston um and uh somewhere somewhere else so just a little thing and then come back and have uh some time to get ready for the holidays and then i believe at the beginning of the year it's uh hopefully they're putting together another good tour we'll get back over to uh your side of town. Yeah, come see us in Memphis. <laughs> I love Memphis. I love that area, all that stuff. So I have no problem. I hope they sign me up for that. Absolutely. Well, Chris, <laughs> it was a pleasure talking to you about Lost and Found. And um, it's a killer EP. Love your music, man. And I uh, hope everyone gets to come out and see you live. Cause it sounds like, um, sounds like that's the way to catch you. And uh, like I said, come visit us when you can. Alrighty, folks, it's been fun hanging with Chris Roberts this hour and learning about his life as a musician and a hat maker. Please check out Aspen Hatter if you're looking to inject a little style into your life. And don't forget to give Chris's new EPs a listen. Lost and Found and Red Feather are both available now wherever you do your streaming. We'll be back again soon with more behind-the-scenes conversations with your favorite musical guests here on Insights. So please plan on joining us then. I'm Amy Wright, and we'll see you next time right here on Insights. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.